Father in heaven, we're thankful for your presence once again with us this day. We thank thee for the gift of music, for the gift of voice, that we could praise your name. And Father, we pray that there would have risen to your throne of grace as a sweet-smelling savour. Be with us as your word goes forth once again this, morning, this afternoon, as you've blessed us with your word this morning. And be with those that are not here for whatever reason, in sickness or going through great trials in their lives. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. For this afternoon's message, I'd like to turn with the Lord's help to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the frowardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who also was also chosen of the churches to travel with us and with his grace, with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. 
avoiding this that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. The Apostle Paul, in the midst of a lot of the the difficulties of the church at Corinth, takes two chapters, this chapter, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of the second letter, to talk about the need for giving to the saints. And as perhaps mentioned many times from this pulpit, the issue of money is one of the most commented on or taught um, teachings in the Bible, especially with Christ. He often talked about the use of money. He talked on the abuse of money and he talked upon the use of money. In this case, he's speaking, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the great needs for the poor saints scattered throughout uh, the churches. But he's especially mentioned of, a, of the churches in, in Macedonia, which he appears to have described to be quite poor in themselves. Yet, out of their poverty, they were able to collect money and provide for those that were in need. And if you want to turn with me to Philippians, you can see a demonstration of that. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, remember the Apostle Paul is in a prison cell and he's writing to the dear church at Philippi, a very small church that started off on the banks of the river in the city of Philippi. And um, in chapter 4 he writes and says, let's start with verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. And when he writes about communication here, he's speaking of providing of funds or alms or his necessities as a, a prisoner of the Lord. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So there was the church at Mas in the, the churches in Macedonia were thinking of the apostle Paul and his needs that he was in, and Paul, whether it was a reflection that he wanted others to know as well, said, "Only you communicated to me." Only you thought about me. Or maybe they only uh, had the opportunity at that time. I don't know. I don't want to read into it. 
But of the same churches in Macedonia, when he left them, he said that this is his witness of the churches in Macedonia in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, that he wants them to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It's almost like the, uh, the widow in the temple when Jesus observed the Jews and they come and they um, deposit their tithes or their, their arms into these trumpet-like receptacles and it is believed that there was a great procession and, and um, advertisement going on when these Jews were depositing how much they could give. But Jesus standing back gives their, his disciples a, a, a very poignant lesson and says, look, you see what's happening there? You see that widow over there? She only gave two mites but she gave more than they all together. Why? Because she said that she gave of her living. Of all her living, she gave. And she gave more than they all did together. And so we see a picture here also of these poor churches in Macedonia. Um, They were also in a great trial of affliction probably persecution even, probably maybe even uh, physical affliction, and, and they, out of joy, their deep, out of their abundance of their joy they gave, not out of their poverty, they gave out of their joy, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their, liber, of their liberality. Liberality means their free giving. So they made themselves even more poor, but it brought them joy by doing so. Because they truly believed the words of Christ, which was given to the Apostle Paul, who says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, beloved, we don't announce every Sunday morning the focus of the month or other collections because it's the right thing to do. It's not a religion, it's, not, it's, a, it's, it's one of our events that we bring forth to the church every Sunday morning. We announce it to make people aware of the needs that are out there. And many of the missions that we send to are missions where they are in great need of funding, where the need of the people involved are far, are far greater, the needs are far greater than ours. And in doing so, the blessing is not just theirs. That's the message that the Apostle Paul wants to bring and Jesus brought to, to each and every one of us in his Gospels, that when we give, that we are, first of all, doing it because we have given of ourselves 
and, and this is this is repeated twice. Um, verse five of Second Corinthians eight says, "And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord." So it's first giving yourself before you give your money, or before you give your energy. You first of all, you've completely yielded to give yourself to the Lord. Because if you haven't given your heart, you won't give your money either. Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, as we have read, and he says something very similar. I'll read, read what I read earlier. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated to me as concerning giving and received but ye only. For even... In Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now, not because I desire a gift, not because I want something from you in terms of that will benefit me, but he said, but I desire fruit that it might abound to your account. He's wanting to see fruit from them. His greatest joy is to see that they were abounding spiritually. And by giving, it's a fruit of what was in the heart. Um, he, he, if you read the first verse of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and my crown. He longed for them. What was he longing for? For their spiritual welfare. And one of the signs of their spiritual welfare that they were willing to give because they were showing in doing so they were showing gratefulness for what Christ had given to them and it makes it easier for them to give to others so the apostle paul says the same thing verse 5 of second corinthians 8 and this they did not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the lord and unto us by the will of God, in so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Now, when it comes to dealing with money in the church, um, money's a great temptation. That's why Christ spoke about it much, and that's why the Apostle Paul spoke about it much. In First Corinthians, in First Timothy chapter six, he talked about. The, that, the, that the root of all evil is not money, but the root of all evil is the love of money. There's a big difference. Your, me, you, your spirituality might be measured by your attachment to your money. As a matter of fact, um, the, the Lord Jesus himself said, you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. And who is mammon? The God of wealth. You cannot serve God and mammon for you will hate one and love the other or you will love one and hate the other. And so there are many things in this world that man often falls to. One of the chief temptations is money. The other one is power and the third one is sexual pleasure. 
These three things Christ talked about perhaps the most of any other issue. And we have to be very careful with how we use not our money but the Lord's money. And they were very careful too. The Apostle Paul had to appoint or the churches appointed uh, people that need that that would collect this money and take it, take it to places to the people that needed the money. And you would see how he talked about um, verse 18, and have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout the churches. I believe Titus was one of them, and he, he may, unless he's talking about the same brother, he's talking about two or three brothers at least in here, with Paul included, where this money will be dispersed correctly in the churches. And sad to say, even um, in some of our experiences, it has been mishandled. And that's why we need to be very, very careful on how we deal with the Lord's money. We've had these situations where there's been violence imposed on our own believers because they knew that we had the money. So it's not a trivial uh, ministry in handling the Lord's money. And it's not a trivial ministry either when deciding whether we should give or not give. The Bible says here, uh, for if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath. It's accepting it's acceptable for what you have. You know, there's, there is some uh, discussion whether a Christian should give 10%, like the Old Testament says, what the Jews did. You know, they tithe. That's what tithing means, to give a ten, one-tenth of what you have. Well, we, we know that that was given to the Jews. That was in the law of the Jews. We also know that that tenth would go towards the priests because the Levites, the tribe of the priests, did not have land. They could not work the land. They could not use it to, to generate uh, funds. So they had to carry out the Lord's work in the temple, in the ceremonies, uh, in the feasts, in the sacrifices. And for that purpose, they, they were given one-tenth. Here, we see, says, you give according to what you have. Whatever is in your heart and what you can have, what can you, you can afford. And I'm not going to say what you can afford and what you should give. The Bible says you need to give it from the heart. It's got to come from within. You know, the, the word says, and I believe it's in James, that we have... Our Father in heaven, if any man lacks wisdom, he gives to all men liberally. And he doesn't abrade. He doesn't, doesn't do it grudgingly. He doesn't do it with regret. He does it because he wants us to have full joy. The Apostle John says in, in his first letter, he says, And these things I write unto you that your joy may be full. 
The Apostle Paul would preach the gospel, he says, and, and without charging anything to them. He wasn't expecting anything from them. But he quoted that it is written that the mouth of the oxen should not be muzzled, for the workman is worthy of his hire. But he said, I wouldn't take anything from you. And he's writing to the Corinthians again. If any, if any, for any reason, someone would, would think that I'm trying to take advantage of the system. And we all know, we've seen it in the headlines even, how people have abused the office of evangelists, of preachers, and they fleeced the sheep, as the saying goes. And we have to be very careful how we handle the Lord's money, but not so careful that our hands become very stiff and we can't reach into our pockets when there's time for us to help others. First, there has to be a willing mind is accepted uh, according to a man hath and not according to that which he hath not. For I mean not that men be eased, that other men be eased and ye burdened. What he is trying to say here is that every single one of us should feel this need and not it always be laid on individuals' shoulders. Oh, he's got money. I'm going to let him pay. Is it what you have? When you think about that, God is not asking you, even if you think about it on the, on the tithing level, if someone's got $100,000 and someone's got $10,000, on a tithing level, the, the, the man with 100000 would give $10,000. The one on the $10,000 level would give $1,000. So he's giving much less, but it's the same percentage. So you can't say, oh, I can't give more than him and therefore I won't give. You give according to what you can. And the blessing is yours. I remember I was in Zambia, and I won't forget the lesson, although I could probably debate with the, with the person, when I, I offered to pay for the clothing for some of these children. And the man said to me, how much do you have? And I said, so much. And I gave it to him, and... Then I said, well, give me some back because I need some. I'm going to be at the airport tomorrow. I might need some change. And the headmistress said, well, if you want to lose the blessing, you can take it back. So I said, you know what? Here it is. I gave it back to her. But when I got to the airport, I realized I had some more money in my left pocket. But the point is here is I won't forget the lesson. What you give is a blessing. And God will still provide for you, regardless of what you think you have or you don't have. The point is, when you give, God gives. Pressed down and running over. When the Bible has something called the first fruits, that's where I think tithing is, is even involved, where, where you give of what you know you have, the first fruits of the harvest, and maybe the rest of the harvest won't come, but you've given the first fruits. And God has promised to bless you when you give. Without being uh, calculating, without thinking, mm, what's in it for me? What's going to be left for me? When you give, God will give you far more abundantly than you ever thought you'd have.
And as, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, Paul was very, the Apostle Paul was very careful that nobody would accuse him of mishandling God's funds. Verse 20 of chapter 8 says, Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. In other words, when we do things that should be above board, you may be doing things honestly, but if it appears meant to men that you're, you, you're not disclosing things, you could get a bad name. And, and then in, in turn, God, God's name may be evil spoken of. So he says you need to be transparent, you need to be above board, um, it needs to be objective. In such a way, God is glorified and you are cleared and I am cleared. And we sent with them our brother, whom we oftentimes proved diligent in many things. So they gave them to reputable brothers, brothers that have, been, have shown, have had a reputation of honesty, of transparency, of integrity, of spirituality. You can see the same theme in, in the book of Acts, chapter 6, when they were picking out deacons to look after, to manage the tables. And that wasn't just to, to, to serve uh, uh, food. It was actually to take care of money, to distribute to the widows that needed money to survive. And when he chose them, he didn't necessarily choose, cho- chose, uh, he didn't necessarily choose the, the educated, the, the ones that were schooled in that, but rather they chose men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit, spiritual, trustworthy, men of integrity. And he says the same thing here. We have sent with him our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. And he was actually... perhaps informing these brothers that were going to be taking this money. And, and the last verse says, Wherefore show ye to them, talking to the Corinthian church, show to these brothers that will come to you and before the churches the proof of your love. Demonstrate to them that you do love by how much you give. He said, and of our boasting on your behalf. They, Paul was actually boasting of the church in Corinth to these brothers. They're going to give you lots of money, perhaps. They're going to be very magnanimous in their giving. Now, don't let me down. Prove to them your love. And the chapter ends here, but it continues on in chapter 9. But I think the main points are being driven home. Even though we're speaking of um, this secular item of money, it still has great spiritual impact on our lives, on how we deal with it, how we handle it, who we give it to. Because remember, we are just stewards of what God has given us. And just for homework, I would encourage you to read Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, when, 
when Christ speaks about the unjust steward and how he was going to be discharged from his position because he mishandled his Lord's money and how he was then wise on what to do when he got discharged. But he's now speaking also in spiritual terms on that little window of opportunity that we have. He says the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light because he thought about the afterlife. He thought about what happens when this life is ended. Where will I go? What will I do? And how have I used what the Lord has given me? May the Lord bless his word and may we all benefit from it. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. I hope we don't all go out thinking that this sermon was about money. The sermon was about the state of our hearts. And what we give is really a manifestation of what's in our hearts. CFG. We'll do that when I finish. Thank you. Uh, so I hope that the message, the real message that came forth was, where is my heart? Is my heart on the things of God? Or is it on temporal things, earthly things? And I just pray that I speak to myself first, that every one of us, when we give out our hearts, everything else will fall into place for his glory. Brother Eckhart reminded me that we've changed the announcement from this morning. Uh, due to popular demand, we're going to have singing on Wednesday instead of Bible lesson. So singing at 730 and then we'll reschedule the Bible lesson uh, for another time. This concludes our service.